Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Well, with an introduction that quick, I've got time to squeeze in my newest Italian joke. I didn't think I'd have the time to tell it to you. But these two hitmen, Vinny and Tony, are walking through the woods late at night. It's dark and the owls are hooting and all. And Tony says to Vinny, he says, you know, Vinny, as long as we know each other, I don't mind admitting to you, I'm kind of scared out here tonight. And Vinny said to Tony, he said, you're scared. I got to walk out of here alone in about 10 minutes. Say amen right there. <laughs> nice to see you. You know I love being in New York. I just came from uh, Everett, Pennsylvania. Last night I left and drove five, six hours to get here. Got here early, middle of the morning. But uh, Pennsylvania is my uh, spiritual birth state. I was saved in Philadelphia, but New York is my natural birth state. I think I've shared that with you before. And so uh, I'm glad, but I came from the nutty part. You know, Rodney Dangerfield said his school was so tough in New York where he grew up in English class, they'd say, what comes after a sentence? The kid would say, an appeal. <laughs> so you're up here in civilization. So I'm glad to be with you. Um, you know, last couple of times I was here, especially the first time, on my book table was like the last helicopter out of Vietnam. You about killed me out there. So I know, you know, Yankees are readers. You know, down south, they do a lot of shouting, but they don't read so much. Is this on tape? I got a lot of churches down south. I was just kidding, wherever the cameras. But I don't sell, any, I don't sell that many books in Mississippi. Let's put it that way. But uh, so I know you're readers, and I, I want to really encourage you. Uh, good night. What did I do with the boy? Oh, <laughs> Five o'clock this morning, I got it. I'll be okay about three o'clock this afternoon. All these brothers, though, they're always whining about my books. They're too big, you know, 900-page books. What's so bad about a 900-page book, amen? But look, I finally come up with the solution to end the whining. Look at that book. Now, first of all, it's only 440 pages. The other two big ones are 900. But when I took the first book out of the box, I almost had a heart attack when I picked it up and looked at it. Go out there and check the book table out. And put, it, put this one alongside a given by inspiration my most popular book because it's the smallest, 300 pages. They sit side by side. This is 440 pages. They use thinner paper. And as soon as that dawned on me, I'm telling you, either the devil or the Holy Spirit said to me, we're going to scam everybody. <laughs> They're going to look at this and say, well, I can do that. And I've already seen comments on Facebook about that very thing. So how, who could get intimidated by this? It's like a chick track, amen? But all kidding aside, uh, I wrote all six books, and I can tell you that this is absolutely the most important of all six, including Final Authority, 50,000 copies out, because those other five books, Pastor, were written during semi-normal times to impart knowledge to Christians about things they should know about. Baptist history, the King James Bible, Israel, conspiracies, you know. But this is written now during emergency conditions in the country. And it's written from my pastoral experience. I taught Bible college for 10 years at, for Dr. Howes at 400 students. Dr. Ruckman wrecked my whole life when I, when I ran into him. And, and I started teaching the Bible for the first time. And every time I teach something at the Bible college, I'd get a memo. This is an enemy of soul winning. Don't teach this. <laughs> so, but I, Dr. Ruckman changed my life. But uh, so those books I wrote were kind of on the academic side. But I pastored two churches before, and this is written from my pastoral, uh, if I stutter, that's my Joe Biden impersonation, if I forget to tell you that. <laughs> but this is meant to help God's people get through the crazy stuff that's happening. 
It's called Perilous Times, Deep Truths for Shallow Waters. Let me give you an example of how good God's been to me. First of all, preacher, two pastors sent me $38,000 between them to pay for every nickel. I didn't put a nickel into this yet. 5,400 books came in May 20th. I was preaching in Richmond, Virginia that night. That was a Tuesday. By Thursday, I was back at Knoxville to inspect the books and gave them the green light to start shipping them. That was Thursday. The next day, Friday, they shipped out over 3,000 books that were pre-sold. I mean, the books are just showing up at the warehouse and 3,000 are going out the door. I've got a, I've got a van full of them because I've got 17 churches on this little tour I'm on now. And we're going to run out of books within a couple of weeks. And I can't get another shipment, another printing until uh, September because of Build Back Better. Say amen right there. So God's been awfully good to this old boy. Dr. Ruckman always talked about being spoiled. And uh, so I'm, I understand what that's all about. So anyway, I want to encourage you to do two things. I mean, of course, to get a book. But if you can get more than one, they're, they're $25 on the barcode. They're 20 out here. Uh, you know, you could sell your mother for $20. Everything's $19.95. If I lowered the price to $15, I wouldn't sell as many. $20, i have been doing this since every book I've ever sold starting in 1993. I charge $20 for it. I don't care what the barcode says. But if you can get uh, one, of course, you need to have one for yourself because this, this book will blow your mind. Trust me. Would I lie? <laughs> but you can get them three for 50 and, you know, Father's Day's coming up, and I'm not trying to be P.T. Barnum. Man. Why do I have to do that? I mean, God's given me so much in this project already. It's un that Honda Pilot I drove into last night, I hit a deer in, in December 2019. Uh, I had 240,000 miles on my Chrysler Town & Country. First vehicle I had when I came here the first time, Pastor. Wrecked the van in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., sold it for $100 that night. I had $35,000 sent to me in 15 days by six churches. And I'm not bragging. How, how can you brag on when God's doing things? But, you know, people think I'm trying to make money. You see all my critics on Facebook. He's trying to hustle his books. Uh, so, you know, Hudson Taylor, the missionary, used to say, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's support. And I'll be 70 years old in November. I mean, I, I know what's going on by now. I've been saved a half a century. So the Lord's good to me, but I want you to get the material to help you. But these books need to get circulated. So if you can get more than one to give them, Father's Day is coming up. If you can give them away, God, I, I already gave a book away tonight. This morning for the first widow I ran into. If you're a widow lady, you know, you know, last time I give you a free book. I can't wait to give you a free book. All you got to do is pray for me. And if you stop praying for me, you have to mail the book back. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. By the way... One more thing before I forget, and I take debit cards, somebody else's debit card, if you get your hands on a bad checks, I, I'm, I still don't care how you pay for it. I was in Oklahoma the other day in, in Texas and came back to my bank preacher and made a deposit. I got a call from the teller about an hour later. Reverend, you passed us a counterfeit $100 bill today. I said, where is it? He said, she said that the FBI has it. I haven't answered my phone in three months, amen. But uh, the other thing I need to mention is that cover out there, that's the most breathtaking thing I've ever seen. That's a, com that's a commission painting I had done for the shipwreck in Acts 27. If you're looking at that, that man in the red, that's Paul climbing up on the rocks there. <clears throat> and that ship, that was $4,000 out there. And the frame's 500 
you can give me 4,500 and walk out of here with the, with the painting, or you can give me $20 and get an exact copy on the table because people are so blown away. We met, had prints made. But that's an historically researched painting, and that's exactly what the boats look like. I was talking to the preacher about it earlier. That's a, what they call a Roman grain ship. Luke said they cast the wheat Amen. into the sea. Remember that? Well, that was the stimulus checks, the Obama money back in the Roman Empire. The wheat, they ran shuttles between Alexander. This was all research. That's exactly what they looked like, that ship that Paul was on, that swan head and everything else. They ran shuttles between uh, Alexandria, Egypt, and Rome, round the clock, bringing wheat. You see the crazy movie Gladiator? They're throwing loaves of bread up to the perverts in the stands. That's how they kept every, the, the natives happy there in Rome. So that's what this painting is all about. And so you can get a print out there if you'd like for $20 as well, okay? Well, anyway, that's, uh, that's enough said. I'm going to give you uh, one of the chapters in the book now. Uh, in the, uh, the first chapter, we got your Bibles there. Why don't you flip over there to 2 Timothy. The first chapter in the book is called The Last Latte. <laughs> you don't think we're going to be living high in a hog much longer, do you? You don't really think that, do you? And that's a, that chapter is uh, an outline that I gave, I think, the first time I was here. You all remember the um, outline last, uh, the, the uh, deep, deep uh, six, deep state, deep sleep, and deep space. Remember that outline? It comes off of 2 Timothy 3.1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And we, the Holy Spirit said, hey, dummy, you didn't pray. Okay, Lord, I'm tired. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we sure do love you, and I pray that you'll give us a good morning. It's going to go by fast, but help us to lap up all that we can get in Jesus' name. Amen. We said last time that the word perilous is only used once in the King James Bible, and it's 2 Timothy 3.1. Webster's Dictionary says, dangerous, hazardous, full of risk. And anybody in this world, on this planet would sign off on that definition. I don't care if they're in India or China tonight, without knowing that's a New Testament word. But that means we have some rough times. I don't know if you realize it, but every, um, every uh, commercial building, every government building, just about any place in the COVID years of 2020 and 2021 at least, had a sign on their front door that said the King James Bible is the inspired, infallible, inerrant, perfect Word of God. Do you notice those signs? Well, I hope you're not nodding your head. I'll be worried about you. Oh, the way it was worded, preacher, was social distancing, six feet. How come they didn't say five feet or seven feet? You think they know that six is the number of a man, and when you kick the bucket, you go six feet under? So they're basically saying, without even realizing it, if you want to avoid six feet this way, theoretically stay six feet that way. So we said the first point of the outline was deep six. There's going to be plenty of death between now and when this thing wraps up. And then we said... Are we dealing with a pandemic or a plandemic? I think it's not only a plandemic, it's a scamdemic. I've got an entire chapter dealing with this material that's been meticulously researched. And the chapter is entitled, Inventors of Evil Things, from Romans chapter 1. But you've got, you got 20 signs listed there starting at chapter uh, 3, verse 2. And, you know, I shared this last time. Uh, for, the, for, the, for men shall be lovers of their own selfies. That's the first sign, 2,000 years ago, Paul gave that to, to the body of Christ for the last generation. 
And I tell the teenagers all the time, I mentioned this last time, don't get impressed with these things. Moses was downloading data from a cloud onto his tablets a long time before Bill Gates had his first diaper change. Say amen right there. So you got 20 signs there. Sign number 15 says traitors. You saw that. Sign 13 says false accusers. You saw that through all of four years of Mr. Trump administration. Okay, so we know we're closing in on the end. And then I said the third point was deep, deep sleep. The Christians are out. They're out to lunch. Paul told the church to wake up three different times in Romans and Thessalonians and I think Galatians. And, uh, you know, during the Philadelphia church age, whenever there were revivals, when the church had nodded out a little bit, they called them great awakenings. But the key thing of the age you're in tonight is when you get into the last days, nobody wakes up once they go out. It's deep sleep, ram sleep. That's what Scripture tells you. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. That's why you can't fill this building up, preacher, unless you start bringing smoke bombs out here in a rock band. No matter how hard you try. I, if this building filled up, that would be depressing. I want to get out of here. Don't you want to get out of here? Last thing I want is a revival. <laughs> Somebody said everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go today. Amen. So, uh, so we're, we're the fault of all this. But, uh, but then, I was, I was, so it's a deep sleep. And by the way, notice it didn't say the time will come when they will not believe sound doctrine. They believe it. They just won't put up with it anymore. I'm talking about your family. My family. My grandkids shacked up. Illegitimate babies being born. My grandkid. Your grandkid. Things you can't control once they get up out of the nest. A man's foes will become, shall become, they of his own household. We're all suffering with the same nonsense. But that's a, that's a sign of the times. But I was all done with my outline, and I shared it with my wife, and I was so proud of it. You know, I had three points in a poll. Amen. Everything comes in threes. You all know that. We're a reflection of God. God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, so we're tripart beings, right? So everything's threes. Uh, you know, past, present, future, red light, green light, yellow light, and past, present, future, mother, father, child, Molary and Curly, say amen right there. <laughs> you know why Italians can't count to ten, right? Because every time they get to two, they run into a tree, amen. You know what's a blessing? Everybody's following me. Can you see me telling this stuff down in Georgia? Say what? Say what now? I'm serious. I got to talk real slow. Blah, blah, blah. So, um, so, uh, so I was all excited. I gave my wife my three-point outline. She said, and I married up like your pastor did. I married up so high I had a nosebleed on my honeymoon night. Amen. I did. I got a good woman. She gave me a King James Bible for a wedding present. I was a lost Catholic. Got saved eight days later. But long story short, she said, I see a fourth point in there. I said, you can't give me a fourth point. Every sermon's got to be three points. Are you kidding? She said, well, Paul said, I'm now ready to be offered in the time of my departures at hand. She said, that looks like deep space to me. She's a cracker. She wrecked my outline. Amen. I preached in Branson, Missouri a couple of weeks ago. First church of my tour. Preacher over there said, I'll give you a fifth point deep dish. Amen. For the millennium. I said, look, dummy, it's got to have an S on it. Of course, that was a couple of months ago. He told me that when I was preparing the book. And then he gave me a $20,000 check to pay for the printing. So I said, you can put anything you want in my book. <laughs> so I have a, my, so I had to, I, I, I was so blown away. I had to produce a second, a whole chapter 
on the rapture of the church. <clears throat> and that's chapter 2. After the last latte is chapter 1. Chapter 2 is entitled, uh, The Trumpet is Out of the Case, or The Trumpet's Out of the Case. We're that close, I think. Aren't you glad we're getting ready to blow out of this joint? But uh, let me tell you how the Lord spoke to my heart about, uh, about, the, about the rapture and about His return. I'm a dog lover. Any dog lovers in here? Man, I'm a dog lover, boy. You don't like dogs, you're a stinking communist. Muslims, Muslims hate... I didn't say cats, I said dogs. You get a special dispensation to hate cats, but not dogs. Say amen right there. Muslims hate dogs. That's almost in their religious creed. Preacher will tell you that. But my wife and I had a little Bashan, one of the cutest little dogs. They're called, they're called chick magnets. That's their nickname. Sea captains used to breed them on the ships to go into port. The women loved them, little dogs. And my wife had a sweetest little dog. And um, first time we ever, we were pastoring in Michigan. The first time I was, we went out of town, the dog's only four months old, a little puppy. And we had to, you know, put, put her in a kennel for a week. And I handed that leash over to Gertrude, the concentration camp guard, you know, starting to take her into the back room with all the screaming and all the noise was with the animals. And we, I made a mistake and established eye contact with her. She looked up at me with the look of terror in her eyes. Where am I going, Daddy? That's what she said. Now, look, you think I'm crazy. I know I got in here at 5 o'clock this morning, but I can, see some, I can see most of you right now. But I was here when it happened. Hope the Lord speaks to you on a personal level because He sure speaks to me. He better be speaking to you. And I got a pair of pants on. How many of you are happy about that? I don't have a robe on. It's a Baptist church. There's no clergy and lady here. We're all on the same plane. Lord spoke to my heart just like I'm speaking to you. He said, that's exactly how I felt at the ascension. That's what He told me in my heart. I looked into the face of my disciples and they were terrorized. And I couldn't explain it to them. I just gave them a promise I'll be back. Couldn't explain why or how long I was going to be gone. That's what I felt the moment I saw that dog. I never got over that little experience. Now, the Lord took, but see, the, Lord's, the Lord took off, but He's coming back. And that's what the rapture is all about. So I just want to give you a few good points that will inspire you. Every time I go through this outline, it inspires me. You want to see a Red Sea miracle? I'm going to give you a 10-point outline in, 30, in 27 minutes. Glory to God. I, don't get nervous. I already asked the pastor what time does the Sunday school lesson end. <laughs> pastor, didn't I ask you? Yes. Praise God. All right. <laughs> Do I seem a little punchy to you? Okay. 4.30 this morning, I'm in Seneca Falls dropping off a case of books for Pastor, uh, whatever his name, Fenton. Then I went to Dunbar's joint. I mean, his church, and left a case of books for him on the front step about five, quarter to five, and then took off and came here. I was preaching in Everett, Washington, uh, Everett, Washington, Everett, PA last night. I'm telling you, neighbor, I went to sleep with three hours to go, and some crazy preacher in Alabama called my phone and woke me up about 7.30. I almost shot myself. Okay, let me give you a good outline, all right? Uh, let's skip 1 Thessalonians 4.16. We all know about that. 1 Thessalonians 4.16, right? For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. We know the, the main verse about the rapture, correct? So let me give you a bunch of uh, wonderful things here. First of all, um, the word rapture is not in your Bible, that English word. Neither is Trinity or missions. You know all that. But uh, the concept is there, being snatched away. That's what the word means. But the English word rapture comes from the, um, 
from the Latin root word rapto, R-A-P-T-O. And that, that Latin root means um, to see something by force. Other words related to that same Latin root are rupture, rapt, and even rape. A non-theological definition for rapture is a feeling of intense pleasure or joy. That's a, you know, nothing to do with scripture. But is it not about how we're going to feel going up? Can't beat this thing with a stick. Jack Hiles, he didn't know the difference between right division and the right hook. I worked for him for 10 years, but he taught everything else on a practical level to help his church and his people. He said on the rapture, when we're going all up, he's going to say, good night, it was true after all. You want a verse for that? I believe, Lord, help thou mine unbelief. Okay? Visions of rapture now burst on my sight, is what the songwriter said. Now, turn over to Titus. We'll look at one scripture there. Because this is an amazing verse. This is the uh, verse where Paul gives you a beautiful uh, synonym for the rapture. Uh, verse 12, well, let's look at verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So the rapture is nicknamed the blessed hope, isn't it? And uh, I'm cutting things out for time, and I'm trying to figure out which ones I want to give you here. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, so I had a man in the service last night in uh, Everett, Washington, a visitor. The pastor told me he's got a problem with the mid-trib, uh, pre-trib position, you know. And he's, see, the problem, would you like to know what this pastor's heartache is, one of many as a pastor? I pastored twice. You know what he's burdened about? He only has you three uh, hours a week, theoretically. YouTube have, has you the rest of the week. Am I right, preacher? And God's people are watching more stupid stuff without realizing what they're watching, and they're getting knocked off like, like flies with false teaching. Hey, down in North Carolina, they say, I don't want to be ugly, but a sheep is what you're pictured as. And a sheep's the dumbest animal in the animal kingdom. If you were real smart like Bill Gates, you wouldn't be hanging around here. You'd be making money. Bill Gates said the most unproductive hour of the week is Sunday at 11 a.m. Nobody's making money. Not many mighty men are called. God has chosen the weak things. We're, and that means the devil can fool you just like that. That pastor does not want yes men around here. Am I right, preacher? He didn't want to tell you what to do with your life, but he wants to reserve veto power over what you shouldn't do. You shouldn't watch anything on YouTube without any goofy so-called preacher without running to buy him. You have no idea how much junk you're, you're imbibing. And that's that mid-trib and post-tribulation rapture junk. So I want to show you real quick 10 points in 20 minutes. Number one, the rapture, oh, by the way, it's called a blessed hope. That word blessed is an all-encompassing word. You know, you know what that means. Too blessed to be stressed. You've re heard the little sayings and so on. But blessed... Hope. Let me give you ten reasons why it's a blessed hope. Number one, it is a misinterpreted hope, first of all. It's a misinterpreted hope. See that blessed hope thing? The guy last night visiting in the services believes in a mid-trip position. You know why he believes in a mid-trip position? 
because he watches some idiot on, on YouTube quoting that verse in Titus. Well, if we weren't going into the trib, why would they call it a, a blessed hope? I hope I make it through the trib. Neighbor, you don't have to worry about the time of Jacob's trouble because you're saved. You've got to worry about the time of John's trouble. Here's a timeline. I probably shared this last time. What time did you go to bed last night? Not you, the guy behind you, yawning. Don't mind me. I pick on people all the time. If you've been around, and you know I do that. Jack Howes taught us if we don't get picked on, he doesn't love us. Amen. Oh, no, no, this thing. It's depressing, amen. No, I'm just cutting up with you. The guy was falling asleep in a service one time, and the preacher yelled to the guy sitting next to him, wake that guy up over there. The guy yelled back at him, you put him to sleep, you wake him up, amen. Preaching down in Kentucky the other day, and uh, we got talking about Eutychus. Fell out the window, remember that dude? Which, by the way, the moral of that story is if you fall asleep in church, you'll be dead in no time. Say amen right there. Guy fell out of the window. I was in Kentucky. The preacher said, Eutychus too, if you'd have to listen to a three-hour sermon. It's his name, Eutychus, amen. By the way, his brother, who pastored 40 minutes away from him, Gary and Larry Eaton, his brother said, the reason that dude fell out of the window and down the alley was because he was more out than he was in. You're more in, you'll fall into the church. You won't get killed out in the alley. They asked Spurgeon one time, what should you do if people fall asleep in church? He said, somebody should wake up the preacher. That's why I'll do silly things like that, just to keep you listening to me. I'm not stupid. Look at those big 900-page books out there. I just act stupid. Especially when I'm punchy right now. It's a misinterpreted hope. Here's a timeline. Crucifixion, moving that way 2,000 years. I've said often, I'm not worried about the eruption of the Lamb's wrath over here because of that interruption at 1 Thessalonians 4.16. But with 16 grandchildren and now my first great-grandchild, I could concern myself considerably with the disruption that breaks out immediately on this, on this side of the interruption. What, what, what disruption? Well, uh, the, the scripture you've been reading so long in the land, the, the, in Latte land, it doesn't register until lately. Now we're starting to think about it. Perilous times shall come right before the rapture. Now, I've been saved almost a half a century. Let me give you a, a statement I've never heard one preacher make. Dr. Ruckman's my mentor and a half for doctrinal issues. I've never heard him make it, but he's taught it. But the Lord gave it to me in a unique little way of putting it. You see, see, preacher, I'm pre-trib rapture. Well, so am I. Glory to God. Pre-trib. You think the rapture is pre-trib, before the, before the trib. All these other nuts got mid-trib and post-trib. See, I'm pre-trib rapture. Well, good for you. So am I. But hello, neighbor. If you're a pre-tribulation rapture, you are also of necessity post-perilous times pre-trib. You understand what I just said? If you ever make it to the rapture, it's because you made it through the perilous times. And that's why it's called the blessed hope. See, that mid-trib crowd that uses that verse, they got the right concept, don't they, Pastor? I hope I make it through the trip, but they got it in the wrong spot. It's over here. It's our hope that we get through those perilous times. Number one, it's a misinterpreted hope. Number two, it's a comforting hope. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words, Paul said. 
And then in chapter 5, verse 11, he said, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together as the rapture theme continued into the fifth chapter. You know, you're supposed to encourage each other when things are getting nutty looking. I preached uh, Thursday, Thursday, I don't know, I left, I told you I left, drove to Holland, New York, Willie O'Dell's old pastorate from uh, Independence, Missouri, Wednesday night, and preached Thursday night. Look, I had no sleep in 16 hours of driving. Pastor's son got saved, 19-year-old son. God will make up for, you know, he'll, he'll honor your sacrifice if you hang in there. But uh, I, I stopped on the way to Holland, New York, in St. Louis, Two o'clock in the morning to leave two cases and a, and a half, two cases for one preacher in St. Louis and a half a case for a Filipino pastor there, the pastor nearby. When MacArthur was on his way back to rescue the Filipinos, the word spread through the underground, and the word was going all over the island. I'm sure every missionary shared. I mean, you've heard that illustration before. He's coming, he's coming all over the radios, all through the islands. When MacArthur was on his way. That's what we're supposed to be doing with our Savior. He's coming. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words, Paul said. It's a misinterpreted hope. It's a comforting hope. Number three, it's a purifying hope. To skip time, you know, in 1 John chapter 3, and everyone that has this hope within him purifies himself, even as he is pure. Keep your mind on the fact that he's coming back. You'll, you'll live a more of a pure life. The Christians that are wrapped up in this world, they're not thinking about the Lord. You can't do both. You can't be thinking about Him and being wrapped up in the world at the same time. And I was driving through the night, preacher. The worst part about driving through the night is deer. You know that. You're living around here. And I've been looking and watching, you know. And I was looking over here. I was by Corning, New York, out in the country somewhere. And look, there was a deer standing right next to the car, like as big as a bullwinkle. Amen. He's just looking at me. I said, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Keep my mind on the Lord. He might keep you out of a, some trouble. Purifying hope. Number four, it's a profitable hope. My wife wrecked my three-point outline with that verse. What did Paul say? There's a crown of rejoicing uh, uh, awaiting me, but not only me, but everyone that loves is appearing. You know, I've often said that uh, the, the worst mistake you'll make is uh, getting into Protestant mindsets, like clergy and lady. Did I mention that a minute ago? You know, I got a pair of pants on, right? Clergy and lady. There's no clergy and lady in a Baptist church. What God does with us, He'll do with you. There's leadership differences. But... Uh, Paul said, there's a crown, of, a crown of waiting on me up there just for loving his appearing. He said, but not only to me also, but unto all them that love his appearing. Amen. It's not just Paul, it's all of us. The rapture is a profitable hope. Just keep your mind on the fact that he's coming, and you're going to get a reward just for that one day. Paul told you that. Number five, it's a motivating hope. Time's running out for your loved ones to be reached. Don't give up on them. Pastor, I stole a lot of your tracks at 5 o'clock in the morning off your track rack. My truck stays full of track rack, uh, full of chick tracks. By the way, the last chapter in my new book is a whole chapter on Bill Eubanks' life story. It's called, I Want to Die on the Battlefield. Where do you read the last story in the last chapter of the book? Don't you cheat. 
I'm serious. You'll, 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 you'll miss the blessing. I got a picture of Brother Bill the week he died. Microphone, the Bible in his hand, baseball cap, preaching out to the crowd. The very week he died. Where do you read it? It's a surprise ending. But time's running out to get your loved one saved. Number six, it's a sure hope. Well, it's too good to be true, man. Pie in the sky. No. All these mid-trib people get Matthew 24 mixed up with 1 Thessalonians 4. Matthew 24, the Lord sends His angels to gather His elect nation, Israel. When it comes to us, brother, the Lord Himself Amen. shall descend from heaven with a shout. He's coming to get His bride. It's a definite thing. Number six, number, that's six. Number seven, it's an imminent hope. It can happen any moment. How many of you old-timers remember M.R. Dahan? Just one? Two? What's the matter with the rest of you people? What's that, Lord? They need another Italian joke? Which one? That's an old one. You know, what, you know what's the most common expression you hear at an Italian funeral? If he'd only kept his mouth shut, amen. All right. M.R. DeHaan was a medical doctor in Grand Rapids, Michigan in the 40s and 50s, and he had a radio, he was a preacher too, you know, great, great preacher. And he had, uh, he had a great ministry. His son's a big wimp, like the next generation, to just collapse always. But his gravestone in Grand Rapids Cemetery has two words on it after his name and, you know, birth dates and death dates. You know what the two words are? Maybe today. Now, I've got three to go, eight, nine, and ten. These are my favorite. These are crazy. Matter of fact, one of them, the Lord told me the other day, he said, where did you get that from? I'm serious. How can you say stuff like that? Did you ever see Crocodile Dundee? Me and God are mates, okay? I hope you're personal with the Lord and you have fun with him. And he has fun with you because he has fun with me. That deer scared me to death last night in the middle of the night. thought I heard the Lord laughing. <laughs> Just to put that thing right there. Good night. I'm sure, I bet you all of you have had experience like that. The gray, that's what they called the Nathan Bedford Forrest, the gray ghost in the Confederacy. He just come out of nowhere. Number eight, it's a misunderstood hope. All the Christians think they've got the rapture figured out. Whoa, what a wonderful thing that's going to be. Oh, blessed thought if we go without dying. Yay, you know, yeah, but did you ever think about what the rapture really is? Most of you have my book on Israel out there, about 120 photographs in the book. Got 80, by the way, in the new book. There's a picture of Obama's limousine when he went to Israel. Filthy animal, make him, hated, he hated those Jews. You say, you shouldn't say things about the president. You ever have those Christians that come up to you when Biden's in the office? Did you pray for the president today? There's always, there's always one guy like that. Yeah, I prayed that another take his office. Say amen right there. <laughs> so you shouldn't say disrespectful things about the, the, the people in authority. Bible says so. Well, yeah, Paul wrote that, except he forgot all about that when he was in Philippi. They want me to, they want to release me in the dark. Have them come out and get a brass band tomorrow and take me out of here in front of everybody. You know, everybody can mess up once in a while. So you shouldn't say bad things about the president. Let me show you how crazy I am. Are there any visitors here that have never seen me before? Because get ready. This is going to shake you up. Maybe you put your... 
You shouldn't say bad things about people in office. I understand that. But I'm willing to give up rewards over my convictions. <laughs> what are you going to say to that? They're my rewards, preacher, right? Let me tell you how really crazy I am. I think the Lord is going to get me in the back room and give them back to me. Bill, I'm sorry. I had to take away from you in front of everybody. But I believe the same way about that cockroach. <laughs> See how crazy I am? First picture. <laughs> Listen. I can't help it. I haven't had any sleep. The first picture in my book, 80 photographs, 16 pages of photographs, the first page, I got a photograph of the first family with the vice president and uh, the second gentleman, who's a Jew, by the way. Now, when you write a book, you don't have to do what I do, but I do what I'm going to do. Here's the caption under the picture, preacher. The bullet Trump train derailed by the train wreck administration of Amtrak Joe and his Carmel caboose. Amen right there. Forcing the body of Christ to refocus itself on the one whose train filled the temple. And underneath that, I really shot myself in the foot. Quote, every nation eventually ends up with the government it deserves. Right. Dr. Peter S. Ruckman. So I'm toast. I definitely need you to buy a book because my crowd's going to shoot me for that. <laughs> I'm going to go home with the one who brung me. They don't want me. I got converted to Dr. Ruckman's position on the Bible, and I've been ruined ever since. What's that got to do with anything, what you just said about misunderstood hope? Well, go look at the picture of Obama's limousine, the beast sitting on a tow truck with Hebrew letters on the side of the truck. One of his goofy uh, attendants put regular gas into the diesel engine and wrecked the engine. It's a picture of it being towed away. Isn't God got a sense of humor? But see, that's got everything to do with the rapture that you're looking forward to. man that invented the neutron bomb wrote the afterword to my third book. I've told you about him, Sam Cohen. You've seen his material. I have a picture of him here when I interviewed him in his home privately in Brentwood, California. Here's a picture of him sitting in his living room chair. They made a movie about him called The Repo Man. It's a dark comedy now. It's considered a classic dark comedy. They got a guy, uh, a repo guy, driving a Malibu in the Los Angeles traffic with a mad scientist sitting next to him, which is Sam Cohen. And in the trunk of the car, there's a neutron bomb and an alien back there inside the trunk. It's just a crazy film. You know that's what the rapture is? You know the Lord Jesus is God's repo man? What do you think the rapture takes place for? The church has run out of gas. Want a scripture? If the salt shall lose its savor, wherewith it shall it be good for? It'd be good, good for nothing. Would you like an, a, a colloquial expression that it lost people out here understand? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. What do you think the church is yanked out for? It's run out of gas. Heard a black preacher in North Carolina on YouTube screaming, preaching, he says, I, when the governor declared the church is non-essential, I started calling his office every week, throwing a fit every Sunday morning. He said, finally the Holy Spirit said, dummy, the church has rendered itself non-essential. 90% of the churches in North Carolina. It's a misunderstood hope. I hope, the Lord, I hope the Lord blows that trumpet on a Sunday night. Say amen right there. Amen. 
all these Christians at home goofing off. Number nine, this is wild. Number nine, it's a hateful hope for some. You want to see a blessing? Turn over to John real quick. Well, you know, I don't have enough time, and, I'm, and Sunday morning you have to stick to a tight schedule. I know that. Let me just jump over here and quote it to you. You remember at, at Lazarus' grave, Mary and Martha were talking to the Lord, and the Lord says, you think your brother can live again? And what they say, we know he will rise again in the resurrection. Over there in Acts chapter uh, 23, verse 7, Paul's got the Sadducees and the Pharisees, you know, and getting ready to try him, and he yells out, I'm a Pharisee in hope of the resurrection. And they start a riot, and he crawls out while the chairs are flying around. The dust is, they got a riot breaking out, and he crawls out. <laughs> but you want to see what the deal was? That's called the general resurrection. Turn over to Acts uh, chapter 4 real quick. This is a blessing now. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Read all about it. Acts chapter 4. I want to show you what those apostles got in trouble for in the early church. It wasn't because of the resurrection of the dead. Everybody believed in that. That was conservative back then, including right down to today's liberal people. Acts 4, look at verse 2 real quick. Being grieved, verse 1, and as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection. What's the next word? From the dead. I learned this from Dr. Ruckman, Pastor Jim. There's a big difference between the resurrection of the dead and the resurrection from the dead. See, when you preach the rapture of the church, that's a hate crime. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Brother Howell said that means the, res that, that means the Presbyterians are going up first. That's what Brother Howell said. No, the dead in Christ, the dead in Christ shall rise first. The ones that aren't in Christ, they stay behind for a thousand years. See, the problem isn't the resurrection of the dead, it's the resurrection from the dead. There's a separation between believers and everybody else. You preach that rapture, that's an ancient hate crime. That's why those apostles got in trouble. And I'm all done with number 10. Number 10 is going to blow somebody's mind in a good way. This is my favorite one. Turn to Philippians 3 real quick. How many of you know where you are this morning? I'm in Martville, New York. Well, that's true, but you're also up in heaven, according to Ephesians 2, right? My wife's in Tennessee, but she's really here with me. Two shall be one flesh. You know the difference between positional truth and practical truth, right? Uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 10 says, if anybody tells you that you can't sin, they're crazy. Then in chapter 3 and chapter 5, John contradicts himself and says, if you're born again, you couldn't sin if you wanted to. One's positional truth and one's practical truth, right? So you're all up in heaven now, right? You know what the word conversation means in the King James Bible from 1611? It doesn't mean your speech. Oh, don't worry about this. This is meant to hold your attention. Over there in uh, 1 Peter 3, if a woman has a lost husband, she can win him with her conversation. Not just her speech. That word meant your whole lifestyle. Now it's only speech, right? You want to see something to blow your mind? Look at uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse uh, 20. Uh, Philippians 3.20. Look at this thing. For our conversation is where? Aren't you up in heaven right now? Don't pass out when you see the next two words. Next 
two words. From whence. <laughs> also, we look for the what? coming of the Savior. Brother, you, the, tenth, the tenth thing, preacher, it's a, it's a bipolar hope. Say amen right there. You're looking for the Lord to come back down here, and you're up there at the same time saying, come on, let's get this thing over with, Lord. You're looking at your horse you're going to ride seven years later. You're all excited up there and down here. You're looking for him to come back from two different directions. I never saw that verse before, preacher. That would blow your mind. Listen, I've got 60 seconds to finish, but you know when I dropped off little Miki with Gertrude, the concentration camp guard, and dragged her away, the Lord felt real tough about that, but he wanted to get back in the worst way, and he was coming. And you know what? A week later, we got back from our trip about 10 o'clock at night. Don't you know I was out the door preacher at 8 o'clock in the morning when that place would open at 8.30? As soon as they opened the door, I busted into that thing. A little Mickey saw me. She went crazy. I don't know who was happier to see who, her to me or me to see her. Put your wife and your dog in the trunk of your car for an hour and open it up and see who's happier to see you. Say amen right there. <laughs> Dogs are not man's best friend for no reason. He's coming back for us, neighbor. Don't lose hope. Preacher, come ahead. <laughs>